Thank you for joining me in the social sanctuary. As a digital marketing professional, I spend so much of my time online and the internet provides plenty of fantastic opportunities for us all, but it can also be draining. With so much noise, finding peace and time to reflect is more essential than ever before. Through inspirational conversations with key individuals, The Social Century invites you to take a closer look at important topics across the digital space, covering everything from cyberbullying to online influencers to how to get young people into work and the importance of mental health. Most importantly, The Social Century provides a break from the hustle and bustle of online life, giving us all a space to discuss the matters which really matter in the hectic modern world. On today's episode, I'm joined by Ewan Carrington, known professionally as Mr. Carrington. Ewan's a London-based content creator and television presenter dedicated to sharing lifestyle and home content with his engaged audience. Now, Ewan founded his online presence back in 2013 and created distinct platforms on YouTube and Instagram that allowed him to share his passion for fashion and home renovation, including thrifty buying, love for charity shops, upcycling and putting his own unique stamp and style on his finds. Using his rapidly growing channels, Ewan provides weekly videos, DIY tutorials, room makeovers, interior ideas and lifestyle blogs on YouTube and he also works as a TV presenter and consumer expert on Channel 4's Steph's Pat Lunch, both in studio and reporting live from across the UK. He's also a home makeover guru providing cleaning tips and hacks on BBC One Sort Your Life Out with Stacey Solomon. Could you tell the listeners a bit more about yourself and why you started sharing your life online? Yeah, um, so it's actually been 10 years now, um, which is bonkers. I just discovered the other day. So I started my blog, as you were saying, in 2013. I just left a yeah. full-time job and I kind of wanted to do something... I, I didn't know if I'd get any work, to be honest with you. So I wanted to do something <laughs> um, that was kind of creative and a little bit different to what I'd been doing. So I thought it'd be a good idea to start a blog just to start it and see mm-hmm. what happens and have somewhere that I can kind of go and and sort of share my creativity and my passions and just be sort of free to do what I wanted to do with. So, yeah, I started the blog um, in 2013, but I wasn't very consistent. I probably, I think I had a year off at one point <laughs> between <laughs> blog posts and... I think it was around 2016 that I thought I really actually need to put myself out there if I want to kind of get more out of this because on my blog I wasn't really showing my face I was just sort of writing posts so I started some social media accounts so I Mm -hmm. got a Twitter account and an Instagram account and I thought that would be a good way of kind of meeting other people who are interested in similar things and and yeah and then I started the YouTube channel in 20 the end of 2016 17 Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, just bit the bullet with that and just thought I need to be brave and make videos because I was enjoying watching YouTube so much. And yeah, there was a lot of things I wanted to kind of share and it did involve being in front of the camera, which is something that I really wasn't keen on doing at mm-hmm. all. I was almost allergic to being on camera at that point. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that was a biggie for me. 
<laughs> yeah, so I actually um, discovered you initially when you were you were based in Brighton, weren't you, when you started your blog just online before YouTube. I found you through another content creator there. Okay, yeah. Is that um, Charlie? Yeah, that's Modish Charlie. Mel. Yeah, yeah so basically, Mel. yeah, so I was based in London and I think Charlie was down um, in Brighton, I think. Right, and, okay. Um, yeah. But on Twitter, there was, I can't remember what the hashtag was, but a lot of male bloggers, it might have even just been mm-hmm. hashtag male bloggers, would kind of connect and all talk to each other. And it was really nice. And I didn't have any friends in this kind of yeah. um, area, you know, so it was just kind of a nice way of meeting people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember, um, I think Charlie had some sort of, I think it was either a discount code or knowledge of some sort of sample sale for Mulberry bags. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, DM me if anyone wants it. So I DM'd him and he gave it to me. I thought, oh, that's so nice. I wasn't expecting that. I didn't know how these kind of interactions worked back mm-hmm. then on, in terms of like making new friends um, through blogging and stuff. So I thought, that's so nice. And then I think it was in um, 2017, we managed to wangle ourselves invites to some bloggers awards neither of us were nominated <laughs> but we just <laughs> we just managed to go along and had a really good time um yeah and we just had a lot of fun back then it was like yeah mm-hmm. we just all get on twitter and have a chat it was lovely and then you'd kind of share your blog posts that sounds very old school now doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> it does yeah do you still do the blog inside at all or are you just focused on youtube entirely <laughs> i am i am focused on youtube entirely yeah. now, really and obviously with instagram and stuff like that mm-hmm. but um with the blog yeah it's still there um i but i i didn't update it i think it's been a, a year again so it's kind mm-hmm. of like maybe i post once a year on there now. <laughs> um, i probably do at some point need to kind of overhaul it completely and maybe mm-hmm. integrate my youtube and everything else on there but yeah i don't know i feel i think youtube's like my happy place I mean, you've had a lot of viral success with your DIY videos and your budget-friendly home makeover tips. You enjoy giving lots of advice to um, people around buying a house, doing DIY. Um, what are your top tips for people that are looking to get onto the property ladder or renovate on a budget? Because I know you do lots of budget-focused renovation videos as well. Yeah, I think... If you're, I mean, being a first time buyer is tough. I mm-hmm. found it really difficult. I mean, there's so many different things to think about. I think one of my biggest tips would be be open-minded yeah. um, with what you're looking for. I think I was looking in quite as kind of in like an area where I'd been renting at the time in London. And I actually ended up buying somewhere quite far away from that that just worked out way better for me. And that was just through being open-minded and kind of expanding my search a little bit. So I think... Yeah, I'd say be open-minded. Don't set yourself onto like too much of a small area or a certain type of property. We all have our things that we definitely want from a place, but be open-minded. I would say save as much money as you possibly can <laughs> because <laughs> there's always um, surprises. And be proactive as well because I feel like there's people to help you, like solicitors and estate agents and stuff. Yeah. They only do so much and you've got to kind of really do the bulk of it kind of yourself. Mm-hmm. I think my final tip would be to trust the process as well because it's such a roller coaster buying yeah. property and it can feel awful at times. <laughs> so you kind of just have to ride those storms and trust mm-hmm. the process and it will all work out in the end. Yeah. You've been really open as well about sharing your own journey and doing all the renovations and you've shown the ups and downs of that as well. 
<laughs> yes. Um, yeah, the loft um, conversion was yeah. quite something. Yeah, that was just a really interesting year for me. I was in the thick of filming Sort Your Life Out and continuing with YouTube, meanwhile, just surrounded by absolute chaos and mm-hmm. and so many things kind of went wrong with it um, along the way. Yeah, it was pretty bonkers. And trying to create content when you've got any kind of work going on around you was such a challenge. I remember at one point I had to shoot I think it was an ad for a mattress and I had to do it on my living room floor <laughs> and it looked on Instagram there's this shot of me on this mattress which looked as you'd expect it to look on Instagram it all looked very nice but then the yeah. other side of the camera it was absolute carnage and I'd got um yeah the situation upstairs my ceiling had fallen through and there was dust everywhere it was yeah total chaos <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's done yeah, it, so I'm pleased. <laughs> it does. yeah that's yeah. it um, but I think it's really, really great that you shared that full journey and all the mm-hmm. all, all the roller coaster ride. I suppose that yeah. came with with doing that conversion as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so something you always try to promote is people making ethical purchasing decisions. Um, so I know that you love to upcycle items and purchase from charity shops over, would you say, encouraging fast fashion or always buying new? So do you have any advice for those that want to embrace shopping in charity shops and at antiques fairs um, over buying new and not really sure where to start if it's something that they've not really done before? Yeah, it's something that I definitely, I mean, I'm just genuinely quite passionate about passionate about it so Mm -hmm. I guess I'm not trying to deliberately really encourage people to do it as such I I just kind of am genuinely passionate about it so I'm more than happy to pop into Primark and get a couple of bits but I think it's thinking about if you are buying new what kind of wear you're going to get out of things and and kind of looking at the value of the item as well you know I'm very aware that especially with things like charity shops, not everybody has access to good ones, you know, and Mm -hmm. so what I can find in a charity shop could be completely different to what somebody else in a different part of the UK can find and also the price points as well. But I'd say, I think um, if you are sort of starting out and you haven't shopped secondhand before, I think the first thing I'd say is maybe lower your expectations because Mm -hmm. often I'll get comments where people say, oh, you always find amazing stuff. And it's because I swing by a charity shop pretty much every day, only for a couple of minutes, but I'll just pop in and see what's in there. So I think if you lower your expectations and also go into them regularly, you've got a lot more chance of finding something good. Mm -hmm. And I'd also say maybe start online as well because... Um, there's a really easy way you can do it just going through Vinted and places like that. Prices on there seem really reasonable to me um, a lot of the time. And that's a great place to start if you know what you're looking for. And then I guess with things like the car boot sales and the antiques fairs, I think it's good to go with um, something in mind that you're looking for. I've got yeah. a few different things that I've always got my eye my eyes peeled for I always look out for my Starbucks mugs and my vases (laughs) and my baskets and I get too many of all of those things but if you know what you like and what you're looking out for you're kind of your your eyes get drawn to them and you Mm -hmm. find them a lot more easier same with labels in charity shops when you're sifting through all of the different clothes if you look at the labels and you know what labels you like you kind of got a better idea of of if that's going to be something that's going to be up your street that's really useful Um, and I, I suppose 
from you doing the the sorts of um, renovation on a budget and the DIY tips, is that how you got into being a consumer expert on Steph's packed lunch and also the opportunity for Sort Your Life Out? Did that come from the YouTube and Instagram posting around those areas? Yeah, exactly that, basically. Um, So I'm just trying to think which one came along first. I got an email from the team at Sort Your Life Out saying they were developing Mm -hmm. this new show and putting a team together for it. And they'd seen some of my videos, um, specifically my cleaning videos, which I'd just filmed for fun. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) As part of kind of like the various, you know, videos that I create all about Mm -hmm. the home. Um, Yeah, I'd done a few kind of clean with me's and clean with me for Christmas. And yeah, I was kind of taken aback a little bit because my cleaning videos often involve things like me giving tips like put some Baileys in your yeah. coffee before you get started or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wear cleaning slippers to make it easier. So yeah, um, it was really cool that they got in touch. And then, um, yeah, I did a kind of like a casting over Zoom where we just had a little chat and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I went in and um, we met up with the rest of the gang and kind of made a team and they wanted to see how we were together as well. So yeah. yeah, that was such a cool opportunity. And I'd always loved watching those kind of programs. So when they got in touch, I said, regardless what happens, this show sounds brilliant. I was such mm-hmm. a fan of things like Changing Rooms when I was a kid and those kind of programs. So yeah, I was just so excited about the program, whether I was going to be on it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Steph's Pack Lunch, they got in touch um, again. I think they'd seen some of my bargain hauls because um, they yeah. were looking for somebody that could talk about um, saving money in the shops. And they got in touch, and it, the job sounded quite serious. <laughs> it said, it was talking about being a consumer expert, I thought, oh my goodness, this sounds like something for Martin Lewis, <laughs> not for me. Um, <laughs> and then they sort of said about what sort of thing they wanted. Um, and I remember doing a video for them that. I think it was literally that afternoon. They got in touch on a Friday and I just sat down and I just filmed a bit like one of my YouTube hauls, but they wanted me to just come up with like five different bargains. Mm-hmm. And I'd found a few. And one of them I did was a bargain about um, toilet rolls, I think. And I think yeah. the boss at Packed Lunch really liked that. He just liked that it was kind of the sort of thing that people at home mm-hmm. would probably be wanting and it's useful to everybody. So I think... Um, Yeah, from then I got a screen test. But the thing is, I have come from a place where I really didn't ever expect to be on camera um, in that respect. Um, Maybe when I was younger, I went along some auditions when I was a teenager and stuff. But after that, there was years and years where I really did not want to be on camera. And I think doing YouTube kind of just got me used to it. But the thought Mm -hmm. of doing live TV to me was completely out of the question. (laughs) I just thought that is not not in my, yeah, I just didn't think that would be possible. I thought I'd be way too nervous. And I went along to the screen test because I just thought, just go to the screen test because it's always good to kind of put mm-hmm. yourself in those challenging situations. And it'll probably be excruciating. I'll probably make a fool of myself, but just go along. But yeah, we had a good time. And then I did the first show and I thought it'd be a one-off and it was terrifying. But then um, it turned into a regular gig, which is brilliant. And I love, love, love doing Steph's Pack Lunch and Sort Your Life Out. They're both brilliant shows to work on. Did you start working in TV in in more of a production role originally then? You said you never saw yourself being in front of the camera, but did you ever want to get back into TV after you'd started doing YouTube? And I suppose, was it because it raised your confidence and about being in front of the camera as well? Yeah, so when my first sort of 
taste of television was mm -hmm. when I was 15, I went and did work experience. And I did my work experience at the Daily Telegraph. They had like a kid's section yeah. a supplement on a Saturday. And I'd said to my school, they, they got you to write down what the two work experience placements you wanted to do would be. And I put down that as one of them. And I put down uh, the BBC as the other one. And they mm -hmm. told me that the BBC was a closed shop, <laughs> not to bother. And so I went to do this work experience at the, the children's, like the Young Telegraph in Old Street. Yeah. But while I was there, the editor asked me, what do I want to do when I'm when I'm older and I said to her I either wanted to be an actor or a journalist those were kind of like the two things that I was quite keen on doing mm -hmm. at that age and so she said right we've got a report you can do and she sent me down to the set of Grange Hill which was so exciting back then <laughs> so I was 15 yeah and I'm getting picked up by this photographer on Old Street Roundabout to go off to Elstree Studios and see where the top of the pop set is and all of that and EastEnders and then went to the set of Grange Hill and I got this taste of kind of TV and and TV production. And so mm -hmm. after that, I thought, well, I want to work in TV. Didn't really have a set kind of job to do in TV. So I did a BTEC in media studies. Mm -hmm. And then when I was 18, I moved down to London and I just started trying to get my foot in the door. So I did at that point, I think when I was like 17 or 18, I did a few screen tests. Yeah. And they were appalling. Awful, awful. <laughs> like they're on VHS tape somewhere. They should never see the light of day. They were so bad. And so that was that. And I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not fit to be on mm. the camera. That was that. And then I just started working in production and worked my way up the ladder from being a runner and did, um, yeah, did lots of different programs. But it was when I went freelance um, after kind of having a staff job that I decided to start the blog and the YouTube channel eventually. And yeah, I think my confidence did grow from doing YouTube. I think when you get nice feedback from yeah. viewers or followers it, it really does boost your confidence and it encourages you to keep going um, mm -hmm. and meeting other people that do it and you know encouraging each other and that sort of thing so yeah I suppose by the time the TV then came back as that opportunity I felt like maybe I could try it again but I still was expecting it to be horrific and <laughs> <laughs> not to work out for me so yeah I'm still pinching myself <laughs> I think that's really interesting that you've kind of seen both sides of it and ended up back in tv but in front of the camera instead um, it's good because... fun and it's and it's nice that I can you know when I do pack lunch I'll I'll work with cameramen now that I worked with years ago in a completely different mm -hmm. role and stuff like that and I'll, I'll be in the studio and I know I know what everybody's job is and I know what everybody's doing and how valuable their roles are on a set and all that kind of stuff. So when the runners are there, I think, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. what you're doing. <laughs> Harvey Morton Digital offers a spectacular range of digital marketing services, including social media management, website design and influencer marketing. Modern companies need smart solutions to their digital problems. And as the 2018 Ipsy National Young Freelancer of the Year, Harvey knows great digital. With an excellent trust pilot score. Get in touch with Harvey today at his website, harveymorton.digital, to take your online presence to the next level. Do you think there's um, starting to be more overlap for, with, um, I suppose, influencers and content creators doing traditional TV formats now as, as broadcasters look to sort of expand the reach to young people? Yeah, I think so. We've definitely seen it a bit, haven't we? Especially, mm -hmm. especially with things like reality shows or you know things like Strictly and stuff. I think they're definitely yeah. looking, looking at those kind of people, and also with presenting roles as well. I, th I think it's really nice when there can be that crossover, and it kind mm -hmm. of works both ways as well. You know, I think 
I think a lot of content creators really appreciate more traditional media and the opportunities that mm-hmm. that can give them. And then I think the the traditional media really appreciates what we have to offer in terms of we come with very loyal followers and and a yeah. different um, area of experience maybe mm-hmm. that that can sort of all all help really. So it's kind yeah. of it all works really nicely together. I think it's fab. That that's great. And I suppose you said that when you started out, you didn't want to be in front of the camera. Um, and that's why you started out with a traditional blog. Um, since you've had all the success and your followings grown, what's your relationship been like with social media and how have you dealt with any negativity if you have had any? Because I know it's one of those unfortunate things that everyone gets some of. Yeah, it is. I mean, that that is part of the thing about putting yourself online. You kind mm. of have to... I guess almost it's 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 really a real shame, but you almost have to kind of accept that that kind of comes with it to an extent. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not talking about severe trolling or anything like that, or, or when it's abusive. I think you know that needs to be completely ruled out. And I think you know I think there are laws that are being worked on, aren't there? But um, mm-hmm. in terms of kind of you know negative feedback or or pe- other people's opinions, I think if you've got a really good sense of yourself um, yeah. and sort of who you are as a person, despite kind of what, you know, your exterior is and how you're presented online or on a television program, I think so long mm-hmm. as you're really solid in yourself as to who you are, those sort of things don't really get through. I mean, usually it's people projecting. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's always people projecting. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the time you'll see a comment and you've just got to remember that it's somebody having a bad day and you don't know what their circumstances yeah. are. And you just—it's their—it's their stuff, really. It's not—it's not about you. Mm-hmm. So, which is—you know—it's not always the first thought you have when you see a negative comment. No. <laughs> it can be quite wounding <laughs> initially, but but really, um, yeah, you do kind of get to a place where you you kind of realise that that's what that's what's going on there, and people just have different ways of venting. And sometimes, if they're watching your video on a bad day and something irritates them, yeah. they might be vocal about it, and there's nothing you can do about that. Other than block and delete, of course, yeah, <laughs> if you exactly, feel the need. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find it hard to switch off as well from um, being online so much and having that following where you're getting constant notifications? Yeah, I do. I do to an extent. I try to be quite regimented in terms yeah. of like how much I'm I'm looking at my phone and things like that. And it's interesting, actually, because when I meet up with my friends who do YouTube and stuff, we're actually not on our phones mm-hmm. very much, maybe because we're filming a lot of the time. But I feel like, yeah, I, I personally try not to be on there too much. I try not to do the, the scrolling and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, I'm not particularly into TikTok. No. I probably should be. <laughs> but I like longer form content. So I really like YouTube's my happy place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can put YouTube on the TV now these days, can't yeah, you? And just you sit can, back and watch yeah. it and then leave your phone alone, put it in, the, in a different room. So I try I try not to get too, yeah, too much screen time. <laughs> That's probably a, probably a good thing that you've got such uh, strict boundaries with it. Yeah, I try to. And I feel like, you, you know, you've had a really good day when you haven't been looking at your phone much That's yeah been a good day, I think, exactly usually, hasn't it? yeah yeah definitely and you mentioned earlier as well that when you started it it felt unusual to meet other content creators online because back then it was it was more unusual for those like online friendships to form 
Um, but you've um, featured on lots of different channels and, and with different content creators. So I had Luke uh, Catlow on the podcast previously, and I know that you're on his channel quite frequently. So have you found that it's been online has allowed you to have a lot more of those friendships with, with other content creators and to be able to bounce ideas off each other and, and create a support network, I suppose, because you're all in the same position? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, with um, people like Luke and Kate, you know, they're, they're my best friends now. And, mm-hmm. and that is amazing. And, you know, I've met these people literally through yeah. the internet <laughs> and it, what's brilliant is kind of it's a really great way of making friends because you you're introduced to these people mm. that have interests that are similar to yours yeah. and also do the same thing as you which has kind mm-hmm. of turned into our job um in many respects so so not only are they kind of like your peers and your colleagues and your friends but then they also really love the same kind of stuff as you so it's brilliant yeah. <laughs> it's like you get there's so many amazing things about that and they all they really understand what you're doing and vice versa which um mm-hmm. you know people who, who aren't in this industry or or aren't sort of doing the content creating day to day may may not have quite such a grasp on so it's very natural for us to be together and we can be having a really serious conversation about you know our lives or whatever it is and then we know we have to film a little bit for the vlog and yeah. do a bit of that and and then we might be back to something else and we can sort of chop and change and, and sort of duck and dive together and it's fab and then we get to share our friendship then with all the people that have chosen to follow us which is lovely yeah. because it feels like a real community then and there's a real sense of when one of us uploads there'll be comments from viewers about mm-hmm. what the other person's bought or done or that kind of thing it's like yeah. everybody knows each other it's lovely I guess that's the reward inside of uh, being online is is getting to see all that positivity as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. the The feedback it blows me away. The things that people take the time out of their day to kind of write, and the things that they say they've done, perhaps because of mm-hmm. watching a video, or you know, they, their confidence has grown, or they've decided to do something different, or they've been to a new place, or visited a chat yeah. shop whatever it is it's it is amazing yeah and i read all my comments every single one of them mm-hmm. go through them all and respond to as many as i can i absolutely love it it's great that you take that time as well because i know it must be quite overwhelming and feel like it's sometimes a rare thing for you to be able to see every comment that comes in um even if it doesn't get a response yeah, I mean, I, I find it such valuable, as well as it being really, really lovely, it is such valuable yeah. feedback. You know, you don't, mm-hmm. and that's another thing about things like YouTube, you don't get so much of that sort of immediate feedback in other areas of media. So to have that kind of immediate response and reaction is is brilliant. And it, it's so um, valuable to me, because um, when I was doing the blog, there wasn't, really many comments I might get one <laughs> on a post <laughs> or something uh, which is great um, and I was very happy with that but to get immediate responses to different aspects of a 30 minute video and finding out what people have enjoyed or what's resonated with them is is brilliant I really mm-hmm. appreciate it and yeah I read every single one I, I'll heart all the comments that I've looked at um occasionally I'll miss one or two I think but yeah. I do try to keep on top of them I think it's really important 
And with the flooding as well, did you find that quite unnatural at first in terms of remembering to pick up the camera and talk about what you were doing? Yeah, I think with vlogging, it's a very different kind of skill to mm-hmm. a sit-down video. With a vlog, and I think some people it comes really naturally to, and they just do it amazingly and seamlessly, but it, you're kind of telling a story, aren't you, with a vlog? Mm-hmm. And and then when you're picking up the camera at different points in your day or your week, you've kind of got to have constantly like a little mini edit going in your brain, which is probably why sometimes we'll often feel overwhelmed because you're kind of editing the vlog in your head yeah. as you're going about your day, thinking of a million and one other things and then thinking about what you need to capture for Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. If TikTok's involved, then you might have a meltdown that day. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of like, I, I have often sort of forgotten um, to pick up the camera or you repeat yourself and you get to the edit and you've, you've said the same thing and at several points throughout it. I mean, the edit's obviously brilliant because then you can tidy all that stuff up. And being out in public as well, I remember my first vlog where I went to Paris for the day, or for mm-hmm. I think it was for like 24 hours or something, and I thought, right, I'm going to vlog. Um, Luke had just put one out. He'd been down to Brighton. I was so inspired. I thought, right, if, if Luke can do it, I'm going to force myself <laughs> to get out of my comfort zone and get off, off my bed or yeah. you know, um, out of the house and um, vlog out and about and yeah just that thing of holding up the camera in front of you and walking around the streets and and sort of almost feeling your cheeks or your ears burn because you can feel Mm. people looking at you yeah (laughs) that's got a lot better I have to say because I think when I started you know and that was probably 2017 or 18 I think people are getting so used to seeing people with cameras or walking around facetiming or I think it's kind of a lot of that's gone away now but um yeah back then it felt yeah it felt very strange and occasionally I still get very odd looks when I'm in shops vlogging talking to camera yeah I, I guess there's still a stigma there with some generations just not being used to seeing it and it's yeah. I, I suppose where it can be quite off-putting for you as well when you can feel people <laughs> looking at at what yeah. you're doing or talking to the camera I think I've kind of become a bit immune to it now, but I do, I will always try and be really respectful of people, you know, especially from different generations and things where yeah. whereby it, it might be slightly uncomfortable that someone's nearby them with a camera. Cause as I say, you know, back when mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to be on front of the camera, I think I would have found it quite, um, quite uncomfortable to be around, but yeah, no, normally I can be walking down Oxford street now and I wouldn't think twice about that, That's which is great. great. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I suppose, w- would you say that um, when, when you started out, you ever expected to see such growth with, with your followers and to build such a community? Or or was that always the plan to try and turn it into something? I mean, I've always had kind of milestones in mind, I think. Um, but I remember being, re- I remember just having this number of 44 subscribers. Yeah. And because at the time as well, I hadn't really, I was just cracking on with my YouTube. So I wasn't really sharing it with things like friends and family. I was just getting on with it. So I wasn't, you know, sharing it on a personal Facebook page or anything like that. So I knew that all these 44 people were people that had found me from searching for the mm-hmm. video content as opposed to, you know, yeah. someone that I know watching me. So I was so excited that there was 44 watching and coming back. And then some of them had subscribed and so they were returning. And when the comments started coming in, so excited. So that just kind of spurs you on. And I remember celebrating 100 subscribers, 1,000 <laughs> subscribers, 
I mean, honestly, I was a nightmare. I was put it all over Twitter and Instagram every time there was a new milestone. I still like to do that because I think it's important. I think it, yeah. you do work so hard at this. Um, so it's kind of like a nice little way of of celebrating um, kind of how you are sort of growing, I guess, a way of measuring that. But I've also always said as well, it's it's really not the be all and end all. And you can have all sorts of different numbers of followers and subscribers. And that, that isn't what's most important. I think it it comes down to the content and the engagement. Mm-hmm. And I'd always rather have a smaller amount of subscribers or viewers if the um, if the engagement's there, you, you know, so if they're genuinely enjoying watching, um, I think that's way more valuable than going viral with something. Yeah, exactly. And do you think there's a lot of people that want to still chase those numbers over building a, a genuine community? I think there there probably is a bit of that still. Um, yeah, I think there is still sometimes that thought that maybe more followers equals more whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know quite what that is, whether it's more kind of status or more. I don't know. I actually don't know. Um, because, yeah, as I say, you can have the followers, but the views might not match up or the, the engagement. So I don't know. I think... I think with things like TikTok, it is very easy, not very easy, but there's a lot more chance of going viral than mm-hmm. it was back when I started on things like Instagram. Yeah. I don't, there wasn't things like Reels where you'd suddenly blow up on there. Um, Instagram was a very hard place to grow on, I felt, um, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very aware of other people who, who had bought following um, yeah. at that time as well. But with YouTube it's kind of like again it's like a steady growth but i think that's really good and has worked in my favor in a way because it's meant that Mm -hmm. i've been able to kind of shape the content that i do as i've gone along rather than blowing up and then going oh my plant video's blown up i need to just do videos on plants now or that sort of thing i've been able to kind of like Mm -hmm. really shape it depending on what people have been enjoying along the way that's great and like you said it it I suppose without that natural growth, you might have not got some of the opportunities you've had. What What was the first big opportunity you remember that, that came from you starting to share your life online and what's been some of your favourite collaborations that you've done over, over the years? Ooh, I think in terms of big opportunities, I think it for me it's been when... I, mean, I remember when I was starting off and you'd get things like you might get sent like a shampoo to review on Mm. on your blog. And I found that so exciting that that I was getting sent a bottle of shampoo to talk about. It was brilliant. And then then I think as I sort of started doing more kind of lifestyle and interior content, I think for me, it it was really exciting when Rust-Oleum got in touch, um, Mm -hmm. the spray paint company, and they invited me to an event. And I think that was one of the first, I'd been to a couple of events. I'd been to another one from a paint brand as well. I think it was Reeves Paint that did like, watercolor paints and things like that and so i've been to an event with them in manchester but then this one from rustolium was fantastic because it was kind of like a creative workshop Mm -hmm. so i met some people there that were all doing similar stuff to me all into upcycling the prs were lovely they sent me loads of cans of spray paint i could use Mm -hmm. for my diys my upcycles and i think that for me was yeah, that was like a real turning point because I thought, oh, this brand's really interested in these videos that I'm making. And then they featured me in their kind of magazine that went through people's letterboxes. I think it either went through their letterbox or it was maybe like a little pamphlet that was inside mm-hmm. of like a home magazine. Yeah. Um, and, and in there, I was featured alongside Grillo Designs and Dainty Dress Diaries. 
and then connected with them through being in that and and they're still really good pals of mine so yeah I think that really kind of made me think oh this is great you know brands might actually want to work with me in that mm-hmm. kind of way um and and it's been brilliant since then because a lot of the brands that I work with really feed in nicely to the content that I'm doing in terms of that kind of home environment it's stuff it's um great Amazing. And you mentioned earlier as well that you um, managed to get an invite to a Blodders Awards when you first started and you went on to house the Blodders Fear Awards. Was it last year that that happened? Yeah, that was an incredible opportunity. Yeah. So myself and Luke hosted the Blogosphere Awards, which, um, yeah, I think we were both pretty nervous about because <laughs> there was a lot of awards to get through. And yeah. A lot of- names nominated a lot of names to say correctly and and get Mm -hmm. through it and also not muddling up who we're announcing because that could be disastrous but we thoroughly enjoyed it and what was so nice is we were in a room full of people loads of those people were people that we knew or um, Mm -hmm. we love following and we love their content so the atmosphere is always fantastic um, with bloggers but they're called be creator now aren't they and um, yeah yeah, that was such an amazing opportunity and again one of those things that didn't think I'd be doing public speaking like that. <laughs> no, would you say a lot of the opportunities you've had have come from pushing yourself out of your comfort zone as well? Yeah, I think definitely. I think even, you know, small things like going to a, you know, like a, an event where yeah. influencers are invited along can be intimidating and slightly nerve wracking. I found that in the past, you know, when I've been going along by myself and you sort of turn up and it's full of people that you don't know. I think mm-hmm. even things like that can be, you know, it has been in the past pushing myself out of my comfort zone and just sort of cracking on and doing it. So yeah, I've always just tried to kind of, where possible, just push myself a little bit and yeah. and kind of, and, and things just grow like a little bit, in, in, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's small steps basically. Same with the vlogging, you know, just started off hitting record and, and feeling incredibly nervous, sat on my bed or in my kitchen yeah, and then, and gradually kind of building up that confidence to go out and about. And then and then, and eventually I was doing it for packed lunch where I was out in the shopping centre in Birmingham city centre talking to a camera with people all Amazing. around me <laughs> having to zone out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where do you see yourself in five years' time? Do you plan to keep growing your social channels or would you like to transition more into doing even more TV shows in the future? Oh, I mean, I, w- I will always keep making my YouTube videos. I think yeah. that is, that's kind of like my pla- my happy place. And that's somewhere that I'm really focusing on. So I really do want to kind of continue building on that and just and just carrying on with that brilliant kind of community that we've got going there now. So mm-hmm. that is kind of my priority. But the TV stuff, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And I would love to do a little bit more. I'd actually really love to go um, back to the US and do a little bit more with them. I did a pilot over there which I really enjoyed doing and I, I'd love to do um, more TV over there if the opportunity came up in the future. Yeah that'd be amazing. Just to, f- to finish off um, if you could give your 13 year old self one piece of advice of thinking back to just before you started doing that initial work experience what would it be? I'd say maybe Keep being you, keep mm-hmm. being yourself. I think that's really important. I, have, I mean, I guess at that age, it's kind of like when you're becoming a teenager like that. It's, yeah. it's very easy to kind of lose sight of your childhood passions and hobbies and all of those things that kind of are who you are. Um, so I'd say that definitely just keep being you. Um, and and I guess as well, maybe 
maybe you've still got plenty of time to do everything <laughs> that you want to do. I think when yeah. I was 13, I was probably slightly annoyed that I wasn't attending like a stage school in London. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't understand why that wasn't happening already and that sort of thing. So yeah, I just always wanted to live in London and, and I, I had got my sights set set on some sort of um, career in the media already. So yeah, don't be too impatient. There's plenty of time for everything. <laughs> oh, that's great advice. Thanks so much, Ewan, for being on the show as Thank well Thank you. Today. I really enjoyed it. Where can the listeners find out more about the blog and your YouTube? I'll leave all your social links in the show notes as well. But where, where's the best place for people to follow you online? Oh, anywhere Mr. Carrington. So Mr. Carrington on YouTube, Mr. Carrington on Instagram. I've also got my home account too, which mm-hmm. is Mr. Carrington Home. If anybody's into more of the kind of home stuff. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me in the social sanctuary today. I hope you leave feeling inspired and uplifted by that great conversation. You can find out more about today's guest in the show notes. And also, you can support the show by buying me a coffee using the link in the description. If there's a guest you would like me to invite on to the next episode... Drop me an email, info at harveymorton.com, or if you have any feedback, I'd absolutely love to hear from you. I'll see you for the next one. Thanks for listening.